Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. What up, y'all? Thanks for tuning back in to Outkick Bets with me, your host, Chef Clark. You guys read the title and description. I got my homie, Dan Z, back here with me, Outkick editor and betting broso. We're going to break down NFL week six after a pretty successful week five, at least for me. And I thought you killed it as well, Dan. What were your picks or how did your picks grade out last week? Yeah, so I went four and one with the bets we gave out here. Um Arguably better than four and one if you count that I said to bet Adam Troutman as an anytime touchdown scorer at ten to one, which did pay. So I mean that's basically a that's like a ten and zero because that's you know it's a, it's a ten unit play there. So I'm gonna go with fourteen and one last week. <laughs> nice, and you're being very fair when you give yourself fourteen and one. So I know the audience appreciates that as much as I do. Offic- Officially four and one though. Uh, the only loser I gave was of course my best bet, and I'm not even sure it's a loss because I gave you the Dolphins as my best bet, and then Teddy Bridge. That was based on Teddy Bridgewater playing more than one play, which he did not. He played one play, and then he was ruled out for the remainder of the game, which left the Dolphins with Skylar Thompson. So I'm not even taking that as a loss. The pride of Kansas State, Skylar Thompson, who was actually I was surprised by this because I was going to shit on his Kansas State performance. He was second in the Big Twelve in passer rating last year, so. Uh, maybe he uh, could develop into something. Um, well, I guess the Dolphins aren't really hoping that he develops into anything because they want Tua back in pretty abruptly, I'm assuming. But Skylar Thompson's going to be back out there this week, I would think, for your Miami Dolphins. At least it's trending that way. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, they keep saying Teddy Bridgewater has no symptoms. So how long does he have to stay in this concussion protocol without a concussion? I would say until the media feels like He's okay. <laughs> That's right. Until the doctors on Twitter determine that Teddy Bridgewater is okay, he can't play football. Yeah, okay, until he until he passes the Twitter concussion protocols, he's not going to get out there in the field. Um, I went four and two in my podcast picks last week. I uh, had a huge bounce back week. Went four zero oh, and one in the circa millions after an zero oh, four and one week four. So I uh, got my my season record back above five hundred. I'm twelve eleven and two. I hit with the uh, Jets at plus two and a half. That was actually a pick that I snuck in there. Um, didn't even talk about it here on the podcast. Snuck in there as one of my, you know, five picks that I had to make against the spread. I hit with the Patriots minus three and a half. Pretty sure I gave that out in this podcast at minus three. I took the Falcons at plus eight and a half against the Bucks. They snuck in the back door there. That was another like um just pick that I added to my my contest bet slip and didn't give out in the podcast hit with the Bengals Bengals plus three and a half at the Ravens same scenario as the uh Dolphins and or the Jets and the Falcons pick and I uh chopped on the contest with the Browns plus two um hosting the Los Angeles Chargers but I beat you and uh the line that I gave out last week in the Outkick Bets podcast which was two and a half so Lucky me there. Hopefully I can keep the, the good momentum rolling here. 
I'm excited about week six. The much better slate than 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 week five. There's some sick games here. Um, some of them show up on our betting slip. Some we'll just cover, uh, generally speaking, and give our kind of thoughts, analysis. Maybe Dan and I can talk ourselves into making a bet on one of the primetime games. But before we get into handicap in week six, let me first shout out the sponsors of this podcast, uh, DraftKings and PointsBet Sportsbook, both of which are offering awesome promotions at outkick.com backslash uh, bets. So go over there to outkick.com backslash bets. I know you can bet $5 on any money line for DraftKings Sportsbook and get $200 in free bets. And um, you can get um, a de- huge deposit bonus at points bet uh, sportsbook. So go ahead and access those promotions at outkick.com backslash bet. And you can also use uh, outkick.com's new betting tools and add odds, player props, and Future Finder. Um, these are available at outkick.com backslash betting. <laughs> um, so don't get those confused. The promotions are outkick.com backslash bet and the a, uh, gambling tools are outkick.com backslash betting. But let's, let's get into the NFL Week 6 card. I can't wait for you to explain how awesome, how these primetime games are awesome when you've got Commanders, Bears, and Broncos all on the slate. I didn't mean prime time. I meant like the the headline of matchups. So that that's more what I meant. Actually, before we get into the our actual picks, what do you are you um, looking at this Thursday night football game and and putting any action on it? We're recording Wednesday, by the way. Um, yeah, I I won't put any official action. I mean, if I when I look at it, I just I mean my thought is always fade the Bears. I think Justin Fields is terrible. Their coaching is terrible. Everything about the Bears is terrible. I read a guy named Ben Gretsch. He does an excellent job with, like, fantasy football. And he just, in every recap, just puts this. The Chicago Bears aren't a real football team. They just aren't. They're just not a real football team. They don't play football like any other team in the NFL. They run the ball when they're down multiple scores. They have the lowest pass rate in the NFL. They can't do anything. Like, literally, they can't do anything. Yet, somehow, they're 2-3, and three, and they're even money on a Thursday night at home against the commanders who are also terrible, but at least resemble a football team at times. Yeah. They have players that other teams would want. Like if they hit the trade block, like Terry McLaurin, um, they have a few defensive line people that are, that are studs still, um, waiting for the guy slipping my name. The name slipped my name. Uh, the name is slipping my mind. Chase young, excuse me. Um, when he gets back, that's just going to bolster Washington's pass rush even more. I'm going to be on Washington. Um, I'll probably write it up tomorrow for outkick.com. Just because, like you said, like going into the season, we talked about, I, I, I thought Chicago would end up with the worst record in the NFL. Maybe that doesn't happen. They keep getting a little lucky here and pulling games out. But um, Washington just is a better team, has more talent, and I do think it is a bit of a, a buy-low spot because of the uh, – off the field or, or Ron Rivera, Carson Wentz uh, turmoil that's going on where Ron Rivera threw Carson Wentz under the bus, which it seems like most of the media is like a little outraged about and kind of mad at Ron Rivera for doing it. But I actually thought it was awesome. <laughs> like I don't know. We're always asking for these guys to be honest. And he honestly threw Wentz under the bus. And I don't know what he wanted to say. Like quarterback sucks. That's the problem. Uh, yeah, I don't get it. I mean, we we talked about this a little bit last week because your guy Dockich is always like, Wentz wasn't the problem in Indianapolis. And I'm not arguing that he was the problem, but 
he's not he's bad like he's a bad quarterback i mean just because matt ryan isn't better doesn't change the fact that carson Wentz sucks and ron rivera said that but at the same time they're the ones who brought him in so it's kind of like well if this was your choice so you didn't have to bring in carson Wentz. yeah but um i i do think it's interesting carson Wentz is six and oh all time on thursday night football the opposite of kirk cousins yeah and supposedly I don't have like a system in I don't have like a system for this or, or know what the, the trends are for it, but supposedly rookie head coaches do terrible on Thursday night football. So Matt Eberflus, the, the new head coach of the, the Colts and, or uh, a, a, a former defensive coordinator of the Colts, new head coach of the bears is over there. So uh, I think I'm going to end up fading the Chicago bears plus Chicago bears. Like, like we both said are terrible and they're getting a majority of the money. So it's like I get the fade. Uh, uh, a public favorite, like that's two and three, and no one thinks they should be two and three. So, that's Justin probably... Fields has attempted eighty-eight passes in five games. Carson Wentz has attempted two hundred and ten passes in five games. Just to give you a disparity of how, like eighty-eight passes in twenty twenty-two NFL. And it's like, crazy. Like you said, that they run even when they're behind. Well, what if like the Chicago Bears fumble the opening kickoff or fumble on their first possession, give Washington a short field, then held three and out, and they're down by they're they're down by ten. Washington turns around and scores a kicks a field goal. Is Justin Fields really throwing them back into that game? And supposedly there's like a crazy wind system that could be um, a factor, a wet weather um, that could be a factor. And Thursday night football, supposedly wind speeds are going to be touching 20 miles per hour. So that's going to see now that that gives me hope in the bears though. That plays into the bears hands. But why? Look, they're just going to run it anyway. So that's kind of what they do. But if there's Carson Wentz is going to try to make plays because that's what Carson Wentz does and trying to make plays into a 20 mile an hour wind is going to lead to mistakes, which Carson Wentz makes. And the way that you win this game is by making Carson Wentz make mistakes. I still do think that, like, if you're going to bet a team to win, you got to at least project a little bit of aerial success. And if the wind is really whipping like that, I don't think the Chicago Bears are going to run the ball at all. And I don't believe, like, they could do the New England Patriots thing with where they, where they just suck the air out of the ball against the Buffalo Bills last year and just pound it and, and, and really stop the uh, Washington Commanders. But... But see, my negative with Justin Fields is that, like, Justin Fields has an extremely strong arm. That's not the issue. He's very yeah. athletic. He has he can he could cut the wind. Yeah, if so they let could him Jamarcus throw the ball. Russell. Who's yeah, more I mean, accurate though? Like like Carson Wentz well, throws Fields, shitty balls. Again, Justin Justin Fields Who's the same guy is is a has a decent arm. Like he's not inaccurate necessarily. He's got a strong arm and he's athletic. The problem is the guy lacks any awareness at all like i have never seen a quarterback prospect who has less awareness of what is going on in general in life but also on a football i mean that 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 example that they showed where he was literally three yards past the line of scrimmage and throw you know and still throws the pass and people are like oh you know just a bit over the line it's like that is exactly what you get with Justin Fields. i watched a play this weekend i remember thinking to myself there's another example it was like third and two and 
he ran and picked up like six yards and you see him look to the sideline to make sure he got the first down. I'm like, bro, you're four yards. Like, how do you not know going into that play exactly where you need to get and that you already got them? Like that kind of like people don't look at stuff like that, but I do. I watched his head turn. Like, did I get the first down? I'm like, yeah, bro, you got the first down. It's not even close. What are you looking at? How do you not know that? Every other quarterback knows that, except for Kyler Murray, who also doesn't know where he is on a football field. But that's a, we can get into that later. Yeah. Well, you have a lean in that game, right? <laughs> no. Are you, you going to Are you going to Are you going to add it to your bet slip? <laughs> I, I'm not saying it. I'm not going to bet the under in a Seahawks game ever again. Why? I had such a convincing handicap last week of taking the Saints Seahawks. I was under. with you. I just don't I, I just every my my analysis is like it can't happen again, can it? And then it does. So it's like at some point you gotta go, you gotta stop banging your head against that wall and go, maybe the Seahawks every game's just gonna go over. I don't know what to tell you. Maybe they just are. Yeah, they 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 cannot play any defense and I don't see that changing anytime soon. Let's go and to the your... Cardinals. For, for what it's worth, can put up offense like they have. They haven't really done it this year, but the, it's certainly pot. Like this is a a great get right spot for the Cardinals' offense. Yeah, because they have really no one that could stop Kyler Murray from scrambling. I mean, Jordan Brooks is supposed to be a pretty good linebacker, but he hasn't actually played very good. So I don't know. And like Jamal Adams is supposed to be like their all pro guy who's a difference maker on defense, but he's injured. So I mean, whatever. Uh, let's talk about your first best bet, though, here. Um, it's in the New York Jets-Green Bay Packers game. You have some balls here. Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> I assume you're saying that because my best bet was against the Jets last week, and we're going back to that well. It's a little bit of that, but I also think Green Bay Packers just don't look good. Like Right, they- so that, that's essentially this entire play. Like This is a fade recency bias play, which is the last thing we saw – was the Packers getting beat by the Giants at 9.30 in the morning, a game that, for all intents and purposes, everyone was watching. It was the highest-rated international game at you know in that window ever in America. Everybody saw them lose to the Giants, who, again, 4-1, and one, but how good are the Giants? I don't know. Maybe the Giants are good, and it's just they lost to a better team that day. Who knows? We saw the Jets beat the Dolphins. So, again, I look at recency bias. You've got it. It came right out like, oh, the Packers don't look very good. To me, this line is begging for you to take the Jets. You're getting a touchdown with a team that is coming off a big win. They've won two in a row with Zach Wilson back. The Packers just lost to the Giants. They haven't looked great this season. Like, take the touchdown. Take the touchdown. Vegas is screaming, take the touchdown. And I just, I can't take that bait. I can't take the bait. Yeah, but aren't people taking the touchdown? You know? Like they're saying, like I, I understand, like I could be uh, subject to recency bias, but apparently the market isn't, right? Isn't more money coming in on the Green Bay Packers? That's what I would assume, at least. Uh, I'm pulling it up according to Veasan, who uh, charts DraftKings Sportsbook again. That's that's wh- whose odds I'm using in a sponsor of this podcast. Um, more more bets are on on the Jets actually, but more money is on the Packers. So I guess it's a pros versus Joe side with the pros being on the Packers. You got but the that line in your is favor. well. What's, what's interesting is the line opened as far, from what I saw at nine and a half and was bet down to seven. Hmm. So if there's money on the Packers, that doesn't make any sense. I think that I think everyone's on the Jets. I really do. Or at least or maybe early was on the Jets because it's possible nine and a half's a lot. 
I don't yeah. know that I would I, I'm not taking the Packers minus nine and a half. And I actually with the way this line has moved, I wrote it in my notes. This is one I probably would watch. I don't think this is going to dip under a touchdown because I think pros would jump all over Packers minus six and a half. Yeah. And I don't think the books want to risk that and, unless it gets so overwhelming that they have to get some money back on the other side. But I would love to see this get down to six and a half, in which case I would hammer the hell out of that line. But I just. <sighs> so hold on. If the Jets cover or win. Does that say more about the Packers to you or the Jets? Because I do kind of like this Jets team. Like, I, I know Zach Wilson hasn't made a ton of throws. He's only played in two games. And, like, really what we've seen out of him isn't, like, your traditional pocket passer that you'd be excited about. But they're playing pretty well. I mean, granted, the Steelers, that, that victory isn't that good. And you can argue, like, beating the Dolphins on their third-string quarterback – um, isn't that impressive either? But like, they are, they are playing pretty good football. The Jets are. I mean, I don't know that they are. Honestly, like their <laughs> wins this season have come against Jacoby Brissett, half Mitchell Trubisky, half Kenny Pickett, and pretty much ninety nine point nine percent of Skylar Thompson. They lost to the Bengals, who have Joe Burrow. They lost to the Ravens, who have Lamar Jackson, and now they're going to face the Green Bay Packers. And I don't think I have to tell you which group I would put Aaron Rodgers in, but it's not the Kenny Pickett, Mitchell Trubisky, Skylar Thompson group. No, absolutely not. That's fair analysis. No, I, I, I mean, getting the the Packers um, less than if it were to dip below less than a touchdown in Lambeau after just losing a game is probably the the the, the sharper play and and the more successful play over the. Um, X amount of years. So I can't really fade you there, but I, I do like this Jets team. There's something about them that I like. They're fun. They have fun pieces. I mean, they've got arguably two players who should be in the discussion for rookie of the year and probably will end up in the discussion for rookie of the year when all is said and done and Garrett Wilson and Brees Hall. And a lot of what happened against Miami was either bad play by the Dolphins that left the Jets with a short field or Brees Hall doing something incredible. Like he had a, you know, 70 yard catch that got down and then, you know, Michael Carter vultured the touchdown because, you know, the fantasy gods want to punish everyone. Yeah. And that is, I will say this as a part of my analysis, that was the one slight concern I had, which was that Saquon Barkley had both a 40 yard rush and a 40 yard reception in that game, both of which were very important plays against the green Bay defense. And Brees Hall has the ability to break those plays. So the one sort of piece that did make me a little concerned is the more Brees Hall touches the ball against the Packers defense, the worse I think it is for my side. But I also noted that prior to that game, the Packers hadn't allowed anyone, any running back to do that. So I don't know. I mean, Brees Hall's not Saquon Barkley. And and to be fair, the two plays that Barkley made were Saquon Barkley plays. Like arguably only he makes them. So I'm not too worked up about that. Uh, the only thing that gave me pause really was that number going from nine and a half to seven, meaning, but again, I still think that people, even the, even the pros thought like nine and a half is too many points. Packers shouldn't be giving anyone nine and a half. No, um, I do think though, like the jets have cluster injuries on their offensive line, but if they, if they stayed healthy at all, at offensive line, I think you can make an argument that their, their, their offense is intriguing between that kid Elijah Moore who was pretty good for them last year of course Garrett Wilson who's been um 
looks like a possible rookie of the year candidate. Brees Hall is pretty good. I like that kid. He's he's on my fantasy team, but the, the running back, Michael Carter, I think is a good, like him and Brees yeah. Hall are, are a solid one-two punch. Uh, Zach Wilson, granted, it's only through two games, but he's the eighth highest graded quarterback on PFF. I think he's looked pretty good. And they're he's completing de- 56% of his passes, though. That's like really bad. It is. It is. I guess the argument you can make is the Steelers traditionally have a pretty good defense secondary as well, and Miami does have a good secondary, right? I mean, the but Steelers, the Steelers just gave up thirty-eight. I mean, I know it's Buffalo, but they yeah. just got beat thirty-eight to three. So yeah, but a, like a couple of those plays were fluky, and I mean, it's Buffalo, like you said, but like Minka Patrick, Minka Fitzpatrick could have caught that ball that went sixty-eight yards to the, to the house for Gabriel Davis. I mean, either way, like I, that was one of my winners last last week was taking the under in the Steelers team total. They finished with three points. I went under sixteen and a half. Like the Steelers had no chance of covering or winning that game. Like it was, they were going to get their asses beat one way or the other. So, but I, I hear your point. I don't know. I'm probably making too much conversation on a on a game. I'm not even going to fade you on. Um, <laughs> But but you want to say it out loud. You want to. I do. No, I do. I can't I, because <laughs> I disagree with. Like honestly, this is a huge game for the Jets and the Packers. Like the Packers don't look good, right? And they look like like they're an Aaron Rodgers away from being a number one pick, right? Like there isn't a lot of talent around him or having a number one overall pick. And I I am kind of excited about the momentum of the Jets, but. I do agree with your overall or your first point of where it's just kind of it's it's recency bias, right? Like the what we what we just saw the Jets put up forty against a, a beat up Miami team or Miami team without their quarterback and um, the uh, the Packers lost on national TV. So I'm with you there. Actually, the next game we both have action on the New England Patriots at Cleveland Browns. Um, I'm taking the dog plus the points here. You have a side, or you like the total in this one, right? Yeah, I like the over a lot, actually, in All this right. game. But I'll, I'll let you go with your pick first, because I actually think our, our analysis might intertwine here. It should. So, like, last week I took the Browns. I won it in my side bets. I won it with you because I, I took two and a half early, but I had to um, only grab two in the contest. And the brunt of my analysis was how bad the Chargers' rush defense was against the Cleveland Browns' rushing game. Um, But what I conveniently left out there was Cleveland Browns' rushing defense is epically terrible. It's it's really, really bad, and it's almost as bad than the Chargers. The reason why I left that out is because, frankly, the Chargers' running game sucks, and I didn't think they would be able to take advantage of the Cleveland Browns, and they did anyways – Right, the New England Patriots rushing attack is is actually really good, and it's even more impressive that it's good considering they've been on a backup quarterback or a limited second year quarterback, Mac Jones, and you kind of know what Bill Belichick wants to do, right, with Ramondre Stevenson and Damian Harris, and they do it anyways. So we have a huge strength on weakness edge in favor of New England on the ground. New England's Offensive line is third in line yards per snap. New England's offense is second in rushing EPA per play. Cleveland's defensive line 
is allowing the most line yards per snap and their last in defensive rushing EPA. Um, we talked about this last week with the Patriots and Lions. If you have an obvious weakness against Bill Belichick, he is that is going to be your downfall. He is going to exploit that, and he's going to beat you. Um, he's going to exploit your biggest weakness and 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 probably win that game. So that's kind of where I'm at here, and it's also a bit of a look ahead spot for Cleveland. Their next two games are Baltimore and Cincinnati, so I don't think they're as locked into this Patriots game, or they could be looking ahead. And the other thing is, I also I, I do like Jacoby Brissett. He has put up solid numbers, but he's he's done. Kobe Brissett shit, Jacoby Brissett shit to end the games, right? Like all three of his interceptions have been back-breaking fourth quarter interceptions in losses, right? So I have a feeling that that he's going to make a critical mistake against a Bill Belichick defense. Obviously, Bill Belichick is familiar with Jacoby Brissett. You know, he was a Jacoby Brissett was a rookie. Um, um, for the for the New England Patriots and and backed up Tom Brady during his Deflategate suspension, so I think Belichick's familiarity with Brissett plus the fact that Cleveland can't stop the run game are the biggest factors here. So I think I'm getting two points right now with DraftKings. Let me look that up. It is two and a half, so I'll take it plus two and a half. The New England Patriots. What's what's your look here? Yeah, I mean I like the over. Um... Many people might not know this, but the Browns have actually been one of the biggest over-cashers in the NFL this season. They've gone over in uh, four out of five, and the one where they didn't go over was against the Falcons, and the point total in that game was 43, which is where this total sits. So if every game had been set to 43 like this one, uh, they would be 4-0-1 to the over. And I understand the Patriots have been more of an under team. They're 2-3. and three. They're 3-2 three and two to the under. But I think that's a little misleading because two of their past three have been their overs. And the one last week didn't go over, but that's because they pitched a shutout against the Lions. I mean, they scored 29 points. They, they certainly held up their end of the bargain on what could have been an over. And honestly, I think we had, we had talked about this before, and I was with you on your, your pick of the Patriots over the Lions, which is like Bill Belichick knows how to shut down Jared Goff. I had some ridiculous stats for how much – Bill Belichick has shut down Jared Goff yeah. in his career. And that's only looks worse now after shutting him out again. So I think that was a little bit of an anomaly. I don't think the Patriots defense is that good that they just shut out the Lions. Bill Belichick seems to have something with Jared Goff. I don't know. Do you know what that is, though? It's just, it's just Belichick nasty in, in high leverage situations. So the uh the lions i think we're 0 and 6 on fourth down and 0 and 3 in the red zone <laughs> that's i mean that's it they convert a couple of those they have points so new england has scored tw- at least 24 points in each of their past 3 after a slow start to the season they've scored with bailey zappy um the browns have allowed some bad teams and bad quarterbacks to put up points against them baker mayfield and the panthers scored 24 flacco and the jets scored 31 Mariota and the Falcons scored 23. The only offense they've held under 20 this season is uh, was Mitch Trubisky and the Steelers, and that got Trubisky benched. Uh, last week, the Chargers hung up a 30 spot. So the Patriots have scored at least 24 points in their last three games. The Browns have allowed at least 23 in four of their five, and the line is only 43. And since I think the Pats can easily score between 21 and 27, I, I, 43 seems just hyper low to me. I, I think this total should be somewhere closer to 47. 
Um, so I think I'm getting a really good number here at 43. I would go to 45 and a half minimum before I would even think about going the other direction. Um, the weather could, have you looked at the weather? Cause that's, it's still mid October. Oh, it's don't not rain on my parade. I'm just saying, Unintended. dude, I, I, I'm trying to, cause I'm with you. It feels low, right? But there has to be an explanation for why it's low. You would think. So I'm looking up first. Well, part and- of it's the, again, the Patriots are an under team this year and they are coming off a game where they, there were 29 points scored combined yeah. and they have a rookie quarterback. Yep. And of the 20, they scored 29 points, but they did have a defensive touchdown too. So their offense only scored 22. You could argue it was a fluky 29. So I, it, it no, didn't seem wild to me that that was the number. I just personally don't like it as the number. No, I mean, you have a couple backup quarterbacks playing unless Mac Jones ends up playing. I mean, he even he's not that much better than a backup. So that would probably and no, explain there's, it. As of right now, there's no weather. Uh, winds under 10 miles an hour, no precipitation, 70 degrees high. Right. Yeah, yeah I'm seeing that too. Um but two teams that are probably going to want to run the ball, right, and are going to be okay think, just running and, it at each other. And I think that's the perception. I think what you talked about, like it's going to be a run fest. So, but that doesn't necessarily mean like that it's going to go under. That's that's what I would say. I think these teams can both move the ball against each other. I don't think either defense scares me at all. I think the Browns defense no. is actually kind of bad. No, um, it's it's terrible. So. Like I the, think the Patriots can can make some big plays. I think Bailey Zappi will do enough. I actually like this better with Zappi than with Mac Jones, believe it or not. Cause I think Zappi is a little bit more, uh, he'll, he'll be a little more prone to taking risks, which can lead to, again, I'm going the over, not the side. So a pick six touchdown hurts you. Doesn't hurt me. Yeah. That helps me. For so sure. I like, I like the injury prone. I, I'm sorry. I like the mistake prone quarterbacks. I get two of them in this. I get Brissett versus a, a fourth round rookie. So the, the, the chance for turnovers in your own end, which is always good for the over. Are, it's high here, and so all those factors combined, that's why I like you. Also, this was part of my analysis in the uh, in the handicap I did for the, the Patriots-Browns. That's on outkick.com, but the, the Patriots' rushing defense is actually pretty terrible, right? So my thing my thing is, and what I wrote in the, in the piece, is that it's a bit of like a product of their design. Like, I think they're kind of giving the run. To, to stop the pass, right? Especially because they don't no longer have J.C. Jackson. They lost a little bit of talent in their secondary. So they'll, it's like the typical bend, don't break defense. Like, whatever, run the ball down the field, but we'll stop you in the red zone type thing, right? So, like, their, their defensive EPA, I think, is, like, top 10. But their rushing defensive rushing success rate is, like, bottom five. <laughs> They're just, like, run the ball at us. We don't care. So, like, a couple of those, like, you know, uh, it, Nick Chubb is good enough to break through. Where it's like, if you want, if you're going to give him the run, well, he could actually just bully you over and go into the end zone. So, um, I think, I don't know. I think the over helps my case. I don't know. I just feel so confident about the Patriots that it doesn't like whatever. Our both of our bets are going to cash. Um, uh, we'll stick with you though here, since we both had a pick in that game. Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the Pittsburgh Steelers. What are you doing in this one, dude? Yeah, um, I hate it, but I, I, I'm on the, I'm on the Steelers. That's how, that's how you make money in this racket. That sigh and ah, uh, I don't like it. Those are the bets that probably cash, dude. 
Last week, I hated the slate. I didn't want anything to do with my with my bet slip. And a four zero and one. So the week before, loved it. Oh four and one. So why do you like the the Pittsburgh Steelers? Well, it's kind of the opposite analysis of the Jets Packers game, which is like, how in the world are the one in four Steelers coming off losing by a million to Buffalo? Their fourth straight loss. They've switched to a rookie quarterback. And they're less than double-digit dogs against Tom Brady and the Bucs. Like, it, when I just looked at the line, I was like, that's odd. That To me, that's a 10-point line. But ah, the Bucs kind of stinks. Like, their offense actually stinks. And I can't believe we're saying that about a Tom Brady-led offense. But there's just not much there this year. I mean, the, the, Godwin's the been hurt. The losses, the offensive line hurt. hurt their is offensive that line team. is... The offensive line is beat up. You know, Chris Godwin's been hurt. He's arguably their best offensive weapon. I mean, you know, you could have a debate between Mike Evans, but I think Mike Evans is a little bit one-dimensional. I mean, that's not to say that one dimension isn't outstanding, and he does some good things, but Godwin's the guy who really kind of opens up the field for him. But either way, um, and you look at that Bills game. So the Steelers lose 38-3. to Obviously, they got hammered. You said they would, and they did. Um but the Bills took advantage of some huge plays. I mean, they had a 98-yard touchdown to Gabe Davis, a 62-yard touchdown to Gabe Davis. Uh, Diggs had a 41-yard catch. Three Bills players had at least one run of over 20 yards, and five different receivers had a catch of 25-plus. But I just don't think Tampa can replicate that. Like, they don't have the same athletes on offense as Buffalo. Josh Allen, at this point, I don't think there's any debate, is much better than Tom Brady at this point in their careers. Um, Godwin's returning to health, but he's not 100%. Julio Jones likely won't play. Russell Gage is dealing with a nagging preseason injury, which, again, pretty much leaves them with Mike Evans only. And, you know, you got Leonard Fournette, who's at his best through the air. Like, his longest run of the season is literally 17 yards. But the Steelers are actually really good at holding running backs off of the receiving sheet. Um, Joe Mixon had seven for 63 in week one, but since then, no running back has had over 20 yards receiving against Pittsburgh. And they've played the Browns, who have Chubb and Kareem Hunt, and the Jets, we just talked about, Brees Hall and Michael Carter. Both teams provide running back um, production through the air, and neither one could do it against the Steelers. Uh, ultimately, I think this is going to be a low-scoring game. I kind of like the under a little bit, not enough to play it, but I lean it towards it being an under game. And getting eight and a half in an under game that only has a total of 44, I'll take eight points on the dog side every time. Yeah, and I also, um, I'm almost willing to throw out every, like, Buffalo Bills result. Like, if you're handicapping a team the game after they play the Buffalo Bills and you say something, well, you know, they just got beat up by the Buffalo Bills. It just doesn't matter. Like, the Buffalo Bills are going to beat the shit out of a lot of teams this year. So... Yeah, and it's kind of like recency bias again, too, right? Like, this, we just saw the Steelers get pounded. I mean, I just – I don't know what to do with the Bucks because they won, but of course they won because of the controversial call. So, you know, it is the public, like, they should have lost it. But I don't think people are really even focusing on w- the result of the game. To me, all of that discourse has been about the – the pat the roughing the passer and how we apply the rule and there hasn't really been a lot of talk about how that actually ended the game essentially atlanta had climbed back into that game like atlanta's not a good team either and they were able to climb back into that game late i think that 
there's no reason Pittsburgh can't do what Atlanta just did, which is hang within a touchdown. Yeah, I mean, that Grady Jarrett call was, like, complete bullshit. And, like, the Falcons did everything right. Like, they did the go for two, and you're down by 14. You score that touchdown, so you could, if you get the ball back, you're playing to win. They stopped him on third and 15 with Grady Jarrett, who's long been one of the more underrated defensive linemen in the NFL, um, which also kind of speaks to, like, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers offensive line issues like Grady Jarrett is dominant and he dominated those guys. Now I know the Steelers are missing TJ Watt, but they have a lot of good defensive line players that could really kind of eat up Tampa Bay's offensive line. So it's just, it was a shitty loss for the Falcons and it was unfair because they did everything right. Like, yeah, the Buccaneers took their foot off the gas, but I think that has a lot to do with Tampa Bay's offensive limitations. It isn't just like, they didn't want to score anymore. I think they couldn't score anymore. That's what it was, you know. Um, they did enough to win the game, but they they got a lot of help from the, the officials. And uh, the reason why, and I threw this in my analysis last week when I uh, published my Circa Million Picks, but the reason why I end up taking the Falcons to cover against the, uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers is it was an obvious look-ahead spot or just like letdown game. The first four games of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are the Cowboys, Saints, Packers, Chiefs, and they're playing the Falcons at home as huge favorites, which they probably weren't going to get up for, and I don't think they did get up for it. I, I, you can argue that they're not going to have two of those performances back-to-back, but like, what's motivating them to get up for Pittsburgh? Like This is Pittsburgh's like one of their biggest games of the year, right? You know, at yeah. home. And they're playing they're playing at home, which is you know, Pittsburgh has definitely has one of the better home field advantages. Yeah. And I gotta tell you, man, I I love I, I I've I've said this before. It was what drew me to Josh Allen early on, and I'm please do not misinterpret this to me saying Kenny Pickett is gonna be Josh Allen. But one thing I did notice is those guys were already ready to go to the mat for him, man. Like he took that hit, he jumped up, and like his linemen were right. But they had his back immediately and were ready to fight for that dude. And I think that matters. Um, I think I think I think you're spot on. I think this game is huge for the Steelers. There's questions about Mike Tomlin now. He's getting thrown. His name is being talked about very negatively in the media, which he's not used to. Like I think they have a lot to prove this week. I don't think the Bucks have a ton to prove necessarily. I, I think yeah. they think they're going to win this game. And quite honestly, I'm getting eight and a half. I don't care if they win this game. It doesn't matter to me. So they have no motivation to really show up and, and beat the brakes off the Steelers. Uh, the Steelers have their backs against the wall a bit. Um, yeah, I mean, again, it feels icky because the Steelers are terrible and, you know, the Bucks are the Bucks, but it's the it's the right play, I think. Yeah, I mean, Kenny Pickett has talent around him, right? Like Deontay Johnson's pretty good. Najee Harris is pretty good. Chase Claypool's pretty good. Pat Fryermuth. And he uh, loves George Pickens, who has been eating yeah. with Kenny Pickett at quarterback. And I, I push back on the Kenny Pickett hatred. I think that's, for lack of a better word, that's going on or that has been on in the media since, like, he was drafted. Like, it feels like everyone played Kenny Pickett out as, like, he wouldn't been drafted first round in most in most drafts, but this is a terrible quarterback draft, which to an extent is true. But I thought he was a legitimate first-round pick. Like, I actually liked him at Pittsburgh. Uh, the for the Pittsburgh Panthers and and I thought he should have been a first round pick and like I would be excited as a Steeler fan to have that guy as the quarterback and see what he could do I mean who knows so I don't hate the pick at all actually.
but it's not going to be one of my five. Um, <laughs> one the, ne- the game that I do have action on though, I- I'm going to Monday Night Football here. I'm taking the Denver Broncos uh, at the the Los Angeles Chargers. Um, I think we could talk about how terrible Nathaniel Hackett is until we're blue in the face. Um, but but Brandon Staley, in my opinion, is is not as terrible, but he's bad. Like he is a he is a defensive coordinator or a coordinator at best. And he got hired as the defensive coordinator of the Los Angeles Rams and the Los Angeles chargers defense has been terrible. And they, you could say, well, they're injured with Joey Bosa, but they got Khalil Mack in this off season. Derwin James is playing every game. It feels like the issue is Brandon Staley, right? But Denver's defense, what would you say? I said, no. But continue. You don't think the issue is Brandon? Uh, Brandon? No, Taylor? I'm so tired. Like, okay, so we should talk about this, right? Yeah. Like, last week, you, you were highly offended that I faded your best bet pick, and not only did I fade your best bet pick, I did it without any analysis and just said, "No, you're wrong." And and for the listeners, I got you, a text. You owe me like, money. <laughs> well, running tally. Right. Right. Okay. But you texted me afterward, and I was like, well, we'd already been doing this for like over an hour. And I was like, I didn't want to like slog it down because that's what's going to happen if I talk about this. But it was the Brandon Staley slander, which is why I went against you. I will not stand for Brandon Staley slander. I don't understand why him of all people seems to get everything lumped at his feet. The Chargers have been extremely unlucky and injured in his you know, short time there. Was What's that look for? I, I don't think they've been unlucky. Like he that that fourth down for when they went for it yeah, on fourth fourth it's and always, one. It's always fourth. That's down. not a critical mistake. Like they turn around and handed the Cleveland Browns the ball. It's down. not a critical. It's not a critical mistake. No. If you look at the numbers, it was a slight mistake at best. But you play to win the game, as the great Denny Green once said. If you convert there, you win the game. It's over. The game is literally over. Yeah. And. I like his message to his players, which is that I trust that you can pick up two yards to win us a game. They didn't do it. But guess what? They still won the game. Yeah. So it's not like not converting there lost you the game. It's like he's made the, the decision. I can't even remember the exact specifics. But when he went for it on fourth down on like his own 17-yard line in the second quarter, it's like, okay, now you're just being crazy. Like now you're just fucking with us. Now you just want us to think that you're an absolute mad scientist lunatic. But going for a fourth and two around midfield, which would have essentially won the game because at that point the Browns couldn't stop it, is not a crazy play. Especially guys like you, all you do is talk shit on his defense and you're like, but kick the ball away, put it on your defense. Like, well, you're the one who tells me my defense is terrible. So you can't have it both ways. It can't be his defense is terrible, yet he should kick it so that his defense has to go play defense. Well, you can't completely hide the defense. Eventually, they got to be out there, and probably the best way to put them out there is when they're not on their own side of the field already. Would be my counterpoint. So wait, my argument on. to that is like you go, well, you're just telling your defense you don't trust them, and I'm like, I think it's the opposite. He's saying if we don't get this, we need you to step up. We need you. Like that's why I have so much trust in you guys. I'm not afraid to fail here because we can still get that stop. And I they don't hate did. that take. I don't hate that take. That's actually something I've said before. Fair enough. Um, 
but I have more analysis to get through here, but let's kind yeah, of fast. Sorry. No, no, no. Let's you, fa- start, you start getting into Brandon Staley and I get angry. That's fair. No, but we found something here. So let's fast forward. You want to take, you want to take the chargers minus five? Yeah, obviously. Yes. Yes. All right. Beautiful. Okay, cool. It's a bet. All right. So, uh, the chargers have a negative net yards per play. Denver has a positive net yards per play. Right, they keep getting into the red zone, but can't convert. And I think it'll be easy for them to convert against the Chargers' defense. Again, it's terrible. Uh, I know Brandon Staley is more of a victim than a perp in that sense. You know, it's it's not his fault as a defensive wizard that his defense sucks. It's everyone else's fault. Uh, but Denver's pass defense is elite. They've only allowed uh, the most passing yards they have allowed to an opponent is 200 last week to the Indianapolis Colts. And obviously Indianapolis needed overtime to get that Patrick Sertan. That kid is, as an all pro cornerback, like he's killing it. Bradley Chubb, who's a guy I never really liked is actually having the best season of his career. And he gets to face the chargers back up left tackle. Russell Wilson is usually really good in prime time. He sucked this year. Um, hopefully he's gotten all the suck out of his system and he's going to be pretty good here, which, and hopefully, I like that that analysis a lot. Hopefully he's gotten all the suck out of his system. I'm going to put that on a t-shirt. Well, you know, who Aaron shots is the, the football outsiders guy. He's, he's the creator of football outsiders. He does a, a, a weekly guest spot at this, um, gambling show that I watch. He made a point that, Effectively, his numbers or, or football outsiders just projects Denver's offense to get better. Like, they're not cashing in on the red zone. That's going to improve. That's kind of what I meant by that. Um, but, yeah, I did I did put in a very, you know, cheesy, slangy way. But whatever. Well, I would be, I'd be a little careful with your passing analysis, too, though, just because Denver's defense has faced, and I know you love him, but yeah, Geno Smith. Exactly. They have faced Geno Smith. Put some respect was, on Geno Smith. I'm not. I'm no. I'm I not. mean, he's I'm third in EPA completion percentage they over expectation blend. Geno what do you want Smith, from him? Geno Smith, Davis Mills, Trey Lance who, slash Jimmy Garoppolo, who did nothing. Derek Carr, and Matt Ryan. No, not Trey Lance slash Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo played the whole game. He played the whole game, and they scored 10 points. Well, um, it's Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, come on. Okay, but Houston Texans, like, well, they only, they've only put, yeah, Houston Texans scored nine points. They didn't do shit. I guess the point I'm trying to make is that Justin Herbert is unlike anything Denver has seen. So, actually, I think it's going to be interesting. I think it'll be, it's a good test for their defense. I will, I will buy your point if by next week they still have it. If, if they keep Herbert under 250 and win the game, I will be fully on board that you are correct. Denver has an elite pass defense. Is, yes, okay, fair enough. I don't think okay. it's. I don't. I can't give. I can't give elite until they see them face an elite passing offense, which they have nowhere close to face this season, and arguably have faced some bottom five passing offenses. Not arguably, Houston is a bottom five passing offense, and the Colts. I don't even know what their passing offense you would even call it. It's so bad. So we'll see. I, you know, I'm not saying fair you're enough. wrong. I just I need to see it. I need to see it on display, and I'm willing to put my money on it hey. not happening. Hey, spoiler alert for the listeners. Watch your mouth when you're talking about the Colts because we're both on them this week, all right? We're both on the Colts. So we're going to have to pretty much talk out of the sides of our mouth if you're going to take this anti-Colts sentiment right now. I'm not going to go there. It's more the Jags, but anyway. <laughs> no, I, I'm with you there. But 
Um, the other thing is I live in Southern California. I have a bunch of charger fans. They have absolutely no home field advantage in the spot there. They yeah. will be, they, I, I can almost guarantee they'll be using a silent count at their home. Like Denver actually has a lot of fans in Southern California. Um, and so what they're saying by the, the chargers who are a five point favorite right now, let me make sure that's still the case. Uh, yeah, they're a five-point favorite right now. Effectively, that's all football analysis. Like, there's no home field factor into there. So, do you really think the Chargers are five points better than Denver? Maybe. Yeah. Hell, 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 yes. Okay, fair enough. The, uh, all right. Well, the bet's in. Whatever. I like Denver plus five. I was two and zero against uh, Dan last week, so. That's right. You should feel very good about this. I I do feel very good. I'm going to be requesting a Venmo from you probably Monday night. I'm not even going to wait until Tuesday. I'm going to, I'm going to hit running you Monday tally. night. <laughs> running tally. After Fair the enough. Super Bowl, talk to me. Yeah, we're going to have to talk to to Fox Payroll and get them just to send me one of your paychecks. <laughs> uh, all right, let's talk about your next game. Actually, it's a player prop, but it's in the Cardinal game. Uh, who are the Cardinals playing against? Oh, Seahawks. Were. The Seahawks, yeah. I mean, me and you could go over our player props if we put in that game, but what, what, what do you like in that? I mean, I'm just going back to the well. I, I think it's one of those things where everyone knows at this point or should know that the Seahawks don't defend tight ends. They can't do it. I gave a ton of stats last week about it. You could go over, go back and listen to last week's if you want to hear it all. I'm not going to repeat it. It was, a, Adam, it was a gem of a handicap, by the way. You're Adam Trotman shit. It you. wasn't even listed. And then you gave the buy prices. He cleared all the buy prices. He got yes. the anytime touchdown. You you yes. nailed it. I, I you know, I'm I'm ha- I was very excited about that handicap and you killed it here. Thank you. Or well, it's there. true. I gave so, out I gave out twenty nine and a half, which I knew it wouldn't be that high. I figured I figured it'd be closer to like nineteen. It was actually nine and a half, and I hammered it yeah. in the morning when it popped up. Your prediction uh, was seventeen and a half. Your buy price was like if it if it was at twenty nine and a half, I would I would yeah. actually lay it. Yeah, but but yeah, I mean, yeah. predict yeah, that's right. Prediction was I, I thought it would be somewhere between, under twenty. It was kind of where I was at above fifteen, under twenty. Um, and it came in at nine and a half, which when I saw that, I was like, well, that's, that's a lock. And again, it was based on, and he, he actually played 65% of the snaps, which is exactly what he played the week before. And the week before that he had three targets, his other target, I texted you, he had another, they targeted him in the red zone earlier. And the, it was like a drop slash defender made a good play, but they targeted him in the, in the end zone. And he almost had a two touchdown day. Um, so even if he, I was prepared to come on here and be like, even if he didn't get there, I was still right. Cause they, and then they end up throwing yeah. it to him again. So he was targeted twice in the end zone. Plus he had another catch the handy. Anyway, you almost Seattle have like was, a superpower. We won't admit you're wrong. No, <laughs> it's amazing. I was right. The handicap was correct. Whether or not it worked out Dude, is that's irrelevant. I say the same thing. I, my <laughs> handicaps aren't wrong. Sometimes teams let me down. That's exactly. what it is. That's, that's Fair enough. All right, continue with this. So anyway, one. The, the the point I was trying to make is that I think everyone knows that Seattle sucks at defending tight ends. So the question is, you know, is this line going to be priced in? And I think to your point, like, how many people are realistically betting Zach Ertz over? Like, not enough to really factor in too much. Oh, this I don't is think the this... leak that you can find in NFL markets right here. Exactly right. So to me, um, let's go back to the well. You've got Zach Ertz, a tight end facing the Seahawks um you know like there's that sign at Notre Dame that like all the players run by and they slap it and it says like play like a champion 
I think Pete Carroll makes his defenders slap a sign that says, just don't cover the tight end. Whatever you do, like, just don't worry about it. You're, you're being disrespectful. You're Brandon Staley's my Pete Carroll. Be nice. Be nice. Fine. Um, anyway, <laughs> the Cardinals are like desperate to make Zach Ertz a thing. Like, even though I think he is totally cooked, I think his NFL career is basically over. They are dedicated to him and AJ Green. Like you would not believe, like they continue to run those two dudes out there, despite the fact that they can't get away from anyone. They don't have the athletic skills anymore, but the Cardinals just don't care. Ertz has been on the field for over 80% of the Cardinals snaps in each of the past four games and twice has gone over 90%. He's basically on the field in every single play. Dude. And I just ran a stat that's just going to, it's just going to cement everything you're about to say and to put it like the perfect bow on it. So the Seattle Seahawks have given up a hundred fantasy points to tight ends so far through five weeks. The next closest team is actually the Cardinals at sixty-one. It's a that is a that is an ocean-sized gap in between the worst and second-worst team, who actually end up are playing each other, which is kind of funny. Like so, 39. by the way, holy yeah. shit! Holy so shit! The, and I told you this last week. Like, this is not a one-year thing. Like, this has been a Pete Carroll, and I'm not even saying it's a negative. I think Pete Carroll is just like. Whatever. Let the tight end beat us. Like, we're not going to get beat by wide, you know, elite wide receivers. We're not going to get beat by elite running backs. You know, if your tight end beat, if Adam Troutman beats us for a touchdown, he beats us for a touchdown. I'm not going to fade my defense his way. I think you look at Zach Ertz and you say the same thing. They're going to let him eat because he's not going to break away from the defense, right? Like, he's not going to catch a 10-yard in and take it to the house. So, it's like, I think, I like, again, all none of the props are up yet because... I don't know. I think I think they wait for injury reports in a lot of these. I didn't see many player props up as of Wednesday. But I imagine Ertz is going to be somewhere around four and a half, maybe five and a half receptions. I like over both of those numbers. I think he'll be somewhere between 40 and 46 and a half yards. I like over those numbers. And I mean, I, it would depend on the price, but I kind of like him at like a plus 500 anytime touchdown scorer as well. I I, if they bake it into like plus 200 or plus 250 or something, I would stay away from it just because I'm not paying that kind of premium for Zach Ertz to score a touchdown. But I think you can sprinkle there. Like I said, he's just, he's on the field all the time. Ertz himself has hit his receptions over in 11 of his past 16 outings. He's been targeted double digit times in three of the past four games. He's caught at least six balls in each of those four games and he's gone for 45, 47, and 48 yards in the last three games. Doesn't sound like a lot, but again, now you're facing the worst defending tight end defense. So I think he can easily bust through those numbers. I like him probably up to maybe like 54 and a half on receiving. I don't think you'll have to pay that price, but no, I like it. No, there's no, no. it's going to be probably say 39 would be the high number. But it'll be interesting because he had 75 yards receiving in week two, and then he's had 40, at least 45 in each of the past three. So I, I don't think it's going to be as low as you think, but Fair I enough. like it to about, I like it to about 54 and a half. Again, don't think it'll be that high. I like him over five and a half catches. I probably wouldn't go over that because it's just, it's kind of hard, unpredictable at that point on whether or not Kyler will actually be able to hit him, but I think he'll get 10 targets. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to bet on six catches. I like six catches or more, and I like uh, 55 yards or more. Yeah, honestly, this is like a, a chef chef's kiss uh, handicap. I mean, I love it. I'm going to follow you on it 
as long as it stays his receiving prop, I'll probably hit his touchdown props too, but as long as his receiving prop isn't above 55, I'm going to follow you on it because like, you know, like we talked about, uh, the Seattle Seahawks give up the most fantasy points to tight ends by a mile. According to PFF, they have like a, a tight end matchup chart. Um, Zach Ertz has the fifth biggest advantage this week over the uh, over Seattle linebacker Cody Barton, who I don't even I don't even know who that is to be honest. Um, and, and and I consider myself an NFL expert. You don't you know you don't know who he is either, right? No. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know. Whatever. Um, By the way, Seattle was third worst against fantasy tight ends in the 2021 season. I got them down they there were, by six. What are you using? But I'm using Pro Football Reference. Yeah, this is off of NFL.com. They were fifth worst in 2020, so they've been in the bottom five minimum each of the last three seasons. In those seasons, they had a uh, first ballot Hall of Fame middle linebacker Bobby Wagner. Again, it's the structure of the defense. Pete Carroll just doesn't right. defend the tight end. That's I, whatever what I'm saying. It is, like if, he if, just doesn't. If if the tight end's going to get numbers against a first bout Hall of Fame linebacker, then he's going to get them against a non uh, linebacker or a court uh, linebacker core without a first bout Hall of Fame. What was the bet? You told me you and your brother used to just hammer the same prop every week. Oh, Cam Newton under receiving yards. Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> yeah, I, when you I know, just, you know. Which this might be my Cam Newton. Like I just, yeah. I'm gonna find out who they're playing and in, in who Seattle's playing and just hammer the tight end. I think we went under 145 once in cash. <laughs> <laughs> That's there's there's no there's there's no number they can put low enough. I don't think. Um, but Zach Ertz also second in the Arizona Cardinals in uh, targets. So, um, and like little ass Kyler, I don't know how far he can see down the field. And Zach Ertz is standing right there, just a little and dump off to him. <laughs> yeah, uh, he's big. He doesn't run very fast, so he's not hard to watch. I mean, you got you know the injury to de- or um, the suspension to DeAndre Hopkins still is a factor. So like. You know, when DeAndre Hopkins comes back on the field, you're gonna he's gonna take some food off of Zach Ertz's plate, but that's not the issue here. No, I like it, dude. I'm gonna follow this one. And the Seahawks play the Chargers next week, so uh get go grab Gerald Everett now so you can play him next week for the twenty he's gonna put up next week. Um, yeah. And I'm gonna follow you. Zach Ertz, um, Arizona Cardinals tight end receiving props. You're taking any time touchdown, you said as well? Depends on the price. I'm not paying like two fifty. I don't even think I'd pay three hundred just because that's. But if he's at like any time, yeah. you saying minus two fifty? No, no, no. Plus. Oh. I still think that's a pretty premium price. That's for a good price. I would take that. Yeah, based on your analysis, like, and based I like on kind of, I like three hundred or, or higher. Sure, but like I think. I think plus 175 cashes and I'll take it. The problem is the the issue is that touchdowns are fluky. That's all. That's always my worry when it comes to that stuff. Like I think he's going to get targets in the middle of the field. I have no problem with receptions and receiving yards. They're a little easier to control for. The reason I gave Troutman last week is because like he's 10 to one. Like I think he'll, he might get one target in the red zone and up to that point he did and he dropped it. So it's like, that's what you're paying for. Like, but at 10 to one, I was taking the shot that that's what was going to happen. It's not a guarantee. It's going to cash. The problem with the, the earth thing is like, am I going to pay two to one to see him get in the end zone? That seems expensive to me again on something that can be rather fluky. All right. So I'm going to just text you Sunday morning and follow your bets because you're pretty locked in on this one. And oh, I agree with most of your analysis. 
All right, so let's talk about a few games because I pretty much all I have left is my best bet that I'm going to give out, and I think that's where you're at as well. But there are a couple interesting matchups that aren't in prime time, um, although the the Sunday night football game between the Dallas Cowboys, Philadelphia Eagles, which I don't have a lot on, is probably going to be pretty good, or at least it's intriguing. Speaking of this, though, like how often do you see this? Not only, there, there's, a, there's a fourth primetime game this week, which is Bills-Chiefs is the only 425 game. That CBS is like, there is not, there's no option for you to take another game. We've got the 425 game. It's Bills Chiefs and you're getting it. So that's essentially another primetime game. Yeah, there are two other games in the four o'clock window the Cardinals and Seahawks, Panthers and Rams. Yeah, but they're not CBS games. So it's every TV set in the country is getting Mm -hmm. the Bills Chiefs, which to me is what makes it sort of like a primetime atmosphere. No, it is like the America's game of the week type thing. So, but yeah. usually there's more than one game in that spot. There'll be like one or two, sometimes even three that, that, that regionally it would make sense for, you know, like the Rams to, to be out there too. So that, cause maybe LA doesn't want to watch Bill's chiefs two Midwest teams. go out. Yeah. So normally there'll be like a regional element where, but like this week, CBS is like, no, we don't need that. We're giving the country Bill's chiefs. Yeah. It's a game. Everyone's wanted to see and everyone and, anticipates seeing it in the AFC championship game. Do you have any leans on it is the, is the big question. I think everybody wants to know. <laughs> I mean, if I had to pick one way or the other, I'd have to go with the Chiefs plus the points at home. I mean, the Buffalo Bills are my number one power rated team. They 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 are better on, on both sides of the ball. Um, I, I think their offense is a little bit better than the Chiefs, even though Pat Mahomes I still think is the better quarterback. Buffalo Bills defense is uh, way better than the, the Chiefs and way more reliable. But I just, I, I, I don't know. This is the first time Patrick Mahomes has ever been a home underdog. And I, I I can't get behind laying the points of the Buffalo Bills. And I also think, like, just the story arc of the Bills season, I end up, I do think they end up winning the Super Bowl. I think, like, they need that another layer of drama where the Chiefs beat them again. And it's just like, do the, and everyone's going to talk about it throughout the year. Do the Chiefs actually own the Bills? Like, are the Chiefs the Bills' daddy? And I do think they end up, pulling out a triumphant victory um, and in the playoffs whenever the, the Bills and Chiefs meet. I'm, so you giving me the Bills minus two and a half this week? No, I'm not going to officially make that a play. <laughs> I'm not. I can't do it, dude. Because the Bills are my number one team, right? So that's your you're on the Bills here? Are you, are you going to actually yeah. make a bet? No, I just thought it'd be fun if we did it because it'll, it'll give some, some skin in the game for what, again, essentially is a fourth primetime matchup. I really like my record against you right now and i don't want to just piss it away fair enough (laughs) um i mean it's going to be an awesome game uh it's just a tough one do you have any props that you like in this game Uh, it's one of those ones where you know we talk about like it's it's such a big game that i think all the even the props are going to be dialed in basically to the max i think vegas is going to be all over making sure that these numbers are exactly what they're supposed to be. I, I think it'd be hard to find an edge in this game just because, again, I think there, there's going to be heavy money bet on this game. Uh, I don't think there's a huge edge to be had. I mean, again, it's it's tough because we're, we do these on a Wednesday and they don't have full player props up. We don't know who's playing. we got to see injury reports. So there's a lot. I'll probably take a look Sunday morning and see what's out there. But as of right now, I don't necessarily have a lean. I kind of just, you know, it's one of those games where part of me wants to like put a bet on it with you to put some, but part of me is like, dude, 
this is just going to be an awesome football game. And I just want to sit on my couch, not care who wins, and just watch an awesome football game. Yeah, and I'm still kind of – I know this is the, this is a shitty, like, betting perspective, and this is something I'm trying to get rid of. But, like, I still have a a terrible taste in my mouth from the Bills not beating the Chiefs last year because I was, I was heavy on the Bills, and I was like, this is, this is the year. This is the year they do it. Um, so I'm a little, I'm still a little butthurt about that one, but like to me, the, the sharps or the, the market is making a clear stance here. They're like, the bills are better than the chiefs. Now they are, we're gonna let the, their favorites in Kansas city. They're better than them. They're saying it like, this is, this is pretty much the betting market saying legitimate home field advantage where you're talking about three points. So they're saying five essentially, right? About five. Think the Bills are about five points better than the Chiefs. I'll go. Field? I'll go a step further. The Chiefs, like Arrowhead, is one of the few places where the Chiefs three and a half. Yeah, like the Chiefs are so when six? the Chiefs are good. It's like three and a half. Yeah. So like the the market's saying like no, that's the, not yeah. The Bills are Vegas clearly better than the Chiefs. Yeah, that's like, a lot. Yeah, they're the, yeah exactly. That's that's the odds makers this or the market this, whatever being like yo. Boy, I'm talking myself into the Bills here now because now that I'm looking at their schedule too. This is a huge game for them because you're right. They have a lot more on the line here. They have to beat the Chiefs. They have to get yeah. that monkey off their back. It's the same and thing as the Chiefs-Bucks a couple weeks ago where it's just like the Chiefs are going to want re- revenge. It's exactly. the same type of motivation. And the Bills are going into their bye week. So you want to talk about leaving it all on the field. Yeah, like, emptying this is, the chamber. You know, why not? And and the Bills don't – like I'm looking at their schedule. They play the Packers coming out of their bye, which right now doesn't look like it's all that tough of a game. It's a Sunday night football game at home. And then they've got the Jets, Vikings, Browns, Lions, Patriots, Jets. Like, it's if they win this game, I mean, 16-1 and one not out of the question? Yeah. I mean, the only loss is to a Dolphins team that they doubled up in points and plays. Right. And they, they see the Dolphins again, but not till December and at home. And I don't like the Dolphins to go into Buffalo in December and win a football game. So, like, even then, like, after they play the Jets, they play the Dolphins, then they play the Bears. It's like the schedule really lightens up after this. So there's nothing, there's no reason for the Bills not to leave it out all on the field. Not that they wouldn't anyway. I know that's yeah. the analysis. But but you know what I mean? Like, this is mm-hmm. this is the biggest regular season game until they play the Bengals on Monday Night Football in week 17, which is four months from now, three months from now. Yeah. Right. So I, I don't know, man. I No, you know, Chiefs. they circled this on the calendar as soon as the schedule came out. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, all, but I guess I, 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 Buffalo, I, I mean, the chiefs have to travel to the West coast next week. Well, that's the thing. This I, I, different, I, I was going to say like the chiefs aren't, they aren't looking ahead either. As a matter of fact, I think like the big me and you both like the Raiders last week against the Chiefs. We I try to get you into a bet, then you try to get me into a bet. We're both on the same side there because I think we had I don't know we didn't even talk about the game, but I think we had similar analysis. Well, I don't know maybe maybe you can speak to this, but like I just looked at it as like a look ahead game for the Chiefs. Oh, totally. And you know I also I mean? think the Raiders the Raiders are a little better than than the market thinks, yeah. or at least than the public thinks. And I figure especially that spot where you've got a Monday night game that's going to be heavily bet. Public's always going to back the Chiefs, especially mm. in that spot. I was like, this is an inflated number. Getting yep. seven with the Raiders felt like way too many points. So that 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 was 
honestly, it wasn't like some crazy analysis that I had. It was just, I think the Raiders are better than the market says they are. I think this number's inflated. And we were right. Like, it was... Actually, shouldn't he, the Raiders should have won the game, to be honest, yeah. but that's a separate discussion. Um, and this is kind of a peek behind the curtain. I actually didn't like want to write it for OutKick just because it's like I don't have a lot of words. Like It's just like it's a vibe. <laughs> it's just like I feel like yeah. this, is, this yeah. is a bad number, and that's it. I'm just going to bet it. Like that's like I, I don't know. I need to find like another way to produce content around that. Just like it's the Malcolm Gladwell blink thing. It's just like I blink and think the Raiders plus seven is a good bet, so that's, that's what I'm going to do. And like – it's not. A, it wasn't a look ahead spot. It was a sandwich spot, right? You got the Bills this week, got the Bucks last week, got the Raiders prime time, and the Raiders. I think four of their losses are by a combined thirteen points, like which is brutal. But that goes to your point, where it's like they're not as bad as their record suggests. Totally. So. And honestly, like the more I dive into this, like that's right. So the Chiefs are coming off a hard fought Monday night game, so they've got one less day of preparation and rest than the Bills do, and. It's a tough spot. It's tough. It, coming off a hard Monday night game like they just did with all the drama around the roughing the passer and all that. Now to have to welcome Buffalo to town on a short week. Yeah, I think I just talked myself into the Bills. Shit. Well, I'm not going to take side in that one. But I am still looking for a fifth bet because I'm pretty locked into four of them here. Uh, the fourth I'll give as my best bet. Um uh, actually, I've only given out two right now. One of them is your best bet, and the other one I'll give out as a best bet. But uh, the fifth game that I'm looking at is the Baltimore Ravens at my New York Giants. Um, I'm I'm really hesitant ever to bet the New York Giants because I won't bet against them. I'm a, I'm a, a sucker fan. But my big thing here is the look-ahead line, the preseason line for this. Actually, I want you to guess it. What do you think the line was for the Ravens-Giants in the middle of the summer? At New York, middle of summer. Yeah. I'll, I'll go Ravens minus eight and a half. And and the line is, um, right now the current line is is the, the Ravens are favored. Hold on, let me pull this up. Ravens are favored five and a half. So your official guess is Ravens eight and a half, right? Yeah. The Ravens were favored three and a half this summer. Makes, really? Makes no sense to me. Like, based on what you've seen out of the Giants and what we've seen out of the Ravens, how how are they two-point bigger favorites than the summer look-ahead? Like, I just, I actually think it's a pricing error. Like, I do. Like, I don't, I don't think the market believes the Giants, which is fair. Maybe they shouldn't, right? And the Baltimore Ravens did leave a lot of meat on the bone last week. Like, they missed a couple... Um, would be touchdowns just by Aaron throws from Lamar Jackson, but like, but that's that he does that. Uh, right. People don't realize that he does that. This is not a one-off when everyone go. I heard someone give an analysis like, yeah, they missed a couple long touchdowns, which you know Ray, Lamar Jackson always hits. I'm like, no, he does not. Yeah, that's actually one of the problems with Lamar is that he is inconsistent with some of those throws. Yeah, their their rushing attack really isn't very reliable, right? Um, Wink Martindale, the New York Giants defensive coordinator, was the longtime defensive coordinator of the Ravens. So he got a bit of a revenge angle. That's Plus, a great point. He does know Lamar Jackson. And just like, I don't think like a lot of people, I, no, I don't think like I know a lot of betters or a lot of like casual NFL betters aren't looking at the preseason lines like I am, right? So they don't like, they're not thinking about that. But like, 
Like that's just a crazy thing, right? Like no, in no world did anyone think the Giants would be four and one after five weeks. No world. And how could they get five or two more points on this line? Like the Ravens aren't exceeding expectations. They're three and two, whatever. Like that's a pretty fair record for based on everyone's projections. So I don't know. I just like, I like the momentum of the Giants. I like how well coached they are. Like Daniel Jones looks pretty good. Like he's moving the ball in like Lamar Jackson ways where he starts to scramble, the defense collapse, and he'll do these little dump offs at work and that move the chains. I just don't see how the Ravens are five and a half point favorites. And like you would think based on the how the Giants beat the Packers last week on national TV and the Giants are a public favorite team, right? They're their New York team, their New York's team that they would be uh, uh, getting a lot of public money. According to pregame.com, 85% of the money is in the Ravens. I, I don't know. I, I need to hear like a pro Ravens case. Like how do they cover six or five and a half here? That's, that's gotta be the reason for the line movement being confusing, right? That the bets are just coming in and that's, that's pushing the number. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that's part of it. But like the Ravens the world opener. So last week the Ravens were minus six. So we're getting a little bit of reverse line movement or a line freeze. I don't know. I, I, I need to hear more analysis from like other people I need to hear a pro Ravens case. You know what I mean? Like, why are the Ravens in a cover? I want to hear someone make that handicap. Because, like, Vegas well, isn't believe- trying to lose money here. <laughs> so, I don't know. Well, there's that crazy stat out there about the Ravens have only trailed for, like, 14 seconds this season. or It's, it's more than that. It's, like, four. But it's, like, they've only trailed when they lost basically they've they've been they've led or tied in every single game they played this season and that was true again against the Bengals by the way um although they trailed for what 30 seconds before Justin Tucker won the game but the Bengals trailed that entire game before they uh took the lead and then immediately the Ravens turned it so they basically had the lead and they should have beaten the Dolphins the Buffalo thing was a little fluky because of weather but you know they hung in with Buffalo I guess the argument would be, I mean, they blew out the Jets. They pretty much stomped the Patriots. I mean, yeah, all the I, all the Giants wins are one-score games, so it's like, yeah. yeah, they're getting – I could see people being like, ah, they're getting lucky. They're going to get humbled here, which frankly could happen, right? I'm not, I'm not anti that. Like, that could certainly be the outcome. I just think between the Giants' momentum, like the Giants – like we have sick defensive players like Dexter Lawrence is an, as an absolute monster. Oh, like, don't do the Wii thing. Don't oh, be the sorry. Wii guy. Sorry. Don't be that. the, do you, do you play? Did, you, did, you, go, did you go to, did you go to J school? What, what did you, you hear? To, were you, did you do journalism? Dude, you know how much I, money I, you know how much money I've, I've given the giants. It is we, all right. <laughs> I'm, I'm not a journalist. All right. So I can insert myself in the story. It's we, it's we, all right, one more game that I wanted to talk about here just to get your thoughts on. Um, looking for a fifth to put in my contest. San Francisco 49ers at the Atlanta Falcons. This feels like another sucker spot. Give me the points at the Falcons. I don't I don't I don't get it. I don't get it. Dude, San Francisco's defensive injuries are they're reaching that breaking point that they've reached in recent years. Joey uh, excuse me, Nick Bosa uh, left the game injured, didn't practice today. 
Uh, Eric Armstead didn't play last week, didn't practice today. Javon Kinlaw didn't practice today. Another defensive lineman they have who started in place of Eric Armstead didn't practice today. Jimmy Ward broke his hand last week, uh, one of their secondary players. Emmanuel Mosley, a really well-graded cornerback, and their starting cornerback got injured. So these... Injuries keep piling up for San Francisco's defense. San Francisco's win last week was more about Charlotte than I thought it was about the 49ers, right? Like, or more about Carolina than it was the 49ers. I mean, obviously, things aren't going well in Carolina. They just fired their coach, and everyone hates their quarterback. Three-fourths of the money, according to pregame.com, is on the San Francisco 49ers. And it's a look-ahead spot for San Francisco. Their next two games, Kansas City and the Los Angeles Rams. Dan, what's wrong with my handicap? Well, why don't the Falcons cover at home? Five and a half. It just feels icky. It's another one, right? Like, that's just it. I mean, Shanahan used to coach for Falcons. Maybe he wants to put it on them. I don't know. I I don't think that's a real angle, though. I mean, no. I mean, if anything, they want revenge against him for costing them that Super Bowl. Sure, yeah. Like I, like I could have brought up Belichick coaching. I used to coach the Cleveland Browns, but that wasn't a very huge angle. Um, I mean, the Falcons are five and zero against the spread, which is wild. If I told you one team is undefeated against the spread, you've taken Atlanta without knowing any better. And that's like common information. So you would think like, okay, I'm going to look at the betting splits. Probably a lot of people are going to be on Atlanta. No, no. Three-fourths of the money's on San Francisco. So like the market's not adjusting. The the look-ahead line in the preseason or the preseason line, 49ers five and a half, right? So there's no adjustment despite all of the injuries of San Francisco. It doesn't make sense to me. And despite uh, Atlanta... Uh, being five and zero against the spread, what I how I interpret this line is just like people like the 49ers, the market loves the 49ers, and people will bet them minus five and a half on the road, and they're right. People are betting them minus five and a half on the road, so um, that's the final uh, the, the final game that, I, that I'm going to look at. Do you have anything on the Sunday night football game? Because we don't even have to talk about it. I got nothing really. I, I still yeah, gotta, I gotta I, still see injury reports. I know Philly's offensive line's a little banged up. Um, who knows what's going on with Dak? I don't think he's gonna play, but I don't know. I'm ready yeah, to get my, analysis, my analysis is the same as the Chiefs Bills. Like it looks like it could be a really good football game, and I just kind of want to watch it and enjoy it and be a fan. And you know, we don't do that enough in our business, right? Like it's always about the story, the angle, the oh, bat. It's the us, list. it's we, it's our our business. You're I'm right. Sorry. In sorry. in my you're right. In my business, um, Jeff, uh, called being a journalist, we don't we oftentimes don't get to be fans. So. This weekend, I'm looking forward to being a damn fan and watching the Bills Chiefs, watching the Eagles Cowboys, and then watching the Chargers beat the shit out of the Broncos and taking my money back. No, part of your money back. $50 of your money. All right, let's get on. taking that Jets win, huh? Okay. How the hell am I not going to take the Jets win? I mean, anytime you bet on the Jets and you win, you got to be excited about that. I don't care what string quarterback the Miami Dolphins were on. I mean, it's still the Jets. They're the most cursed team out of any cursed teams. All right, well, let's get into our final uh, our final segment here, the winners, where we give out our best bets. Um, we're, I had to add 
a game here since we're on the same game here. What's your best bet? Or do you want to give want me to give mine first? I mean, I've already basically said it. I said it earlier. I mean, we've even kind of touched on it, so I'll just go through quickly. Um, I got the Colts over the Jags this week. Um, I, I think this is just leftover public sentiment from the start of the season, i.e. the Colts starting with the tie and then the terrible loss to Jacksonville. Jacksonville starting two and one, you know, going up early against the Eagles. I feel like that hasn't worn off and everyone just assumes the Jags are the better team. I mean, how rare is it that you see, because the money already is in on, on, I'm sorry, the bets are in on Jacksonville already. And it's just not that often that you see a road underdog getting money, especially early in a week like this. So yeah, something's public wrong dogs here. get slaughtered. Exactly. So, especially on the road. So I, I don't, Honestly, like the Jags, the last like seven quarter, ever since they took that 14-0 lead against uh, the Eagles, they they then lost to the Eagles 29-7 to from that point forward. The ugly loss, they've scored 13 points in the past seven quarters. I mean, yeah, the offense for the Colts stinks too, but hopefully Jonathan Taylor will be back. That's going to matter a little bit. I think I would wait. I would like to see him play in this game. I don't think the line will move much because I think that the price is baked into him playing because I he was – Almost played last week, and now he's had a mini buy to recover. But I, I mean, I, I would like to see Jonathan Taylor play in this game because I think the offense will will go through them. But you know, this is basically a pick'em line, and I just I I got to go to my preseason analysis of the Colts are better. They were a better team in the pre- going into the season. I thought the Colts were a better team. I'm not going to let a couple of games change that, and also. A really interesting stat that I came across while I was handicapping this was that so the Colts were obviously crushed by Jacksonville in week two in Jacksonville. Did you know the Colts have lost eight straight games in Jacksonville? Yeah. They have not won in Jacksonville in nearly a decade. Yeah. Interestingly the enough, tortures for them. the Colts have won four straight in Indy against Jacksonville and nine, uh, eight of the last nine. So this is truly a series that basically gets split every season and the home team usually winning the games. I don't see that changing here. And again, it's one and a half, which is, you know, pretty close to pick them. I think the, I think I get a better team giving in a basically pick them line at home. It's pretty simple, straightforward analysis, but I want to see Jonathan Taylor play. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to publish this for outkick. We're on the same uh, page here. Colts are laying two right now on DraftKings, and money's coming in on the Jaguars. So who knows? Maybe you can get to one and a half. Um, but, but this is effectively a, a bye game or a, a bye week for the, the Colts. They played last Thursday, right? Um, so they have extended rest. The Colts off of a bye under Frank Reich are four and straight up three Oh and one against the spread. They have a plus 10 margin of victory plus eight ATS differential. Um, and the Jaguars actually have the highest variance, uh, according to football outsiders, in terms of like efficiency. So you don't know what um, Jaguars team we're going to see. And if you go through and audit their games, like, is it really that impressive? Like, yeah, they're two and three, but Washington beat them week one. Washington can't beat anyone. They beat Indy at home um, in Jacksonville. You already talked about how, how successful the Jaguars are typically against the Colts in Jacksonville. The Colts were without Michael Pittman and Shaq Leonard. Shaq Leonard is going to make a difference here because there's a huge strength on weakness edge with Indy's rushing defense versus Jacksonville's rushing offense. Jacksonville can't run the ball. 
And Indy's rushing defense is sick, and it's going to get better when Shaq Leonard returns to the lineup, which should be this week. Jacksonville also beat a banged-up Charger team whose quarterback had broken ribs. They puked on themselves in the rain versus Philly. And then they no-showed last week against Houston. Like, what's their excuse last week against Houston? That was a pathetic performance. So I'm all over the Colts here. And we talked about this numerous times already. I'll let you guess the line. What, What do you think the Colts were favored in the middle of the summer against the Jaguars? When you're going four, back to your preseason analysis. Yeah, four and a half. Seven and a half. Wow. Yeah. I mean, the Colts certainly should be downgraded based on what we've seen from them this year, but they are two, two and one, right? They do actually do have a better winning percentage than the Jaguars. How they got there is a little goofy, right? But, I mean, look at their two wins. Broncos, man, eh, okay. They beat the Chiefs. I mean, you can you can criticize how they did it, but they won, right? I mean, whatever. So I I also think, you know, the Colts being a favorite after getting clubbed by Jacksonville in their first meeting kind of says a lot. So I'm with you there. Uh, my best bet though, I'm taking the Saints plus two over at home against the Cincinnati Bengals. Are you gonna take the Bengals? It feels like you want to take the Bengals. Yeah, I almost I almost had them as one of my plays this week and backed off, but but I am leaning. All right. Well, Saints are just more efficient. They have a, a a positive net yards per play. They have nine more first downs than their opponent. Cincinnati has a negative net yards per play. They have six fewer first downs than than their opponent. I thought this was crazy. The Saints are actually tied with Buffalo for best success rate differential. Um, Cincinnati's offense is one dimensional. They are only averaging 3.3 yards per carry. Uh, New Orleans Saints, I actually think they found something with their ground game with Taysom Hill. And uh, Alvin Kamara has improved in production and usage in his three games. Also, going back to your point earlier, and I think you're right, I think this team's probably better off with Andy Dalton. It forces them to run the ball, and they have a better running attack than they do passing attack. And Cincinnati relies on turnovers. New Orleans turns the ball over a lot with Jameis Winston, but they're more buttoned up with Andy Dalton. Uh, Cincinnati, in its only two victories this year, they were plus three and plus two in turnover differential. So if New Orleans keeps the ball, they have a much more um, efficient team. And Cincinnati's wins just really aren't that impressive. They beat Miami, but it was a terrible spot for Miami and their quarterback got injured in the first half. They beat the New York Jets in Flacco's last game. Also, 90% of the money is on Cincinnati. So I'll take uh, the public home dog with the New Orleans Saints plus two. Come on. I'll take the other side. Yes. Yes. So we got two bets here. All right. So I'm taking the Saints plus two against you. And what else are you on? Oh, you're on the... uh, Wait, who, who else did you take? I forget. Help me out here. Chargers, obviously. What do I have? Oh yeah, I got the Denver Broncos. All right, cool. All right. Which I feel like I feel like we could do this every week because it feels to me as though you're just anti-Chargers and I'm pro-Chargers, so we might as well just do a running Chargers spread bet every week at this point. I'll find a, a spot to bet them. Don't worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, well hey. That's your week six uh, betting breakdown. Do us a favor. Show us some love on social media. Where can people find your stuff, Dan? Just go to Outkick, man. I'm all about the brand. I'm all about the team. 
You can follow me on Twitter at OutkickTheNC, but as you pointed out last week, I don't use it that much. So, hmm. yeah, um, uh, sh- show us some love by leaving us nice reviews on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Um, subscribe, unsubscribe, and resubscribe. Break the algorithm. Help us grow the uh, rise in the charts and against all the other sports betting podcasts. But until next time, peace. Yeah.